Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Mike on Mike Wadecast. Okay, I just finished binging the CNN series about the history of late night television. Did you even know they did that? I think it was maybe seven episodes. It's good. It's really good. They start with Steve Allen, and then they work their way up to Carson, and then all the people the other networks put on to try to knock off Johnny, and then they did the whole Leno Letterman thing and the whole Leno Conan thing. And, you know, even if you didn't watch much TV after the evening news, it's it's just interesting stuff. And a few things, like some behind-the-scenes things, I, I didn't even know. Like I say, really well done. Really liked it. In the last episode, they started talking about the evolution of late night, and how they're using social media as a way to kind of bust out of the late-night boundaries and gain more exposure. I think Jimmy Fallon said it best when he when he said, you know, used to, if you did a great bit or you had a terrific interview, if you didn't see it, it was gone. Or a viewer could record it and then watch it later, but it wouldn't live like it does. It wouldn't have a life of its own on the Internet. It would just always be out there. And I think a great example of that is is James Corden's Carpool Karaoke. I mean, I honestly never think to watch him or even record the show, but if that comes up on my social media feed, I'll stop down and watch to see who he's riding around with because they're having so much fun singing that person's songs. I mean, that was a genius idea. But then they get to the subject of politics and how they see their roles, you know, going beyond entertainment and getting into political commentary. And man, I got to tell you, that really turned me off. I, I could not disagree more. You, you can't do a show after a tragedy, like a, sh- a shooting of some kind, and not pretend it didn't happen. Now, I remember going on the air the morning after the Challenger blew up. And, and the guy I'm doing the show with, we both turned on the microphones and kind of looked at each other. And we just admitted, you know, this. The, I think I said, I think our first words were, uh, this is really awkward. And we're not sure what to do because playing songs just doesn't seem like the right thing. And we were just trying to be honest. We weren't trying to do it to generate phone calls. It was just like, hey, you're grieving and and so are we. You know, anytime you do a show, if it's radio or television, and there's a significant event, don't make the show about you. When you make the show about you, you're not making room for the viewers or the listeners. People watching or listening don't really care about you. Right now, they care about them. Whatever happened to them. And I think it's the job of the host to let people talk about their feelings. The host has to control it, meaning they can't put someone on who who sounds more crazy than whatever awful thing happened. But you do have to ask yourself, why would I want to turn off half the audience? You know, it, it doesn't matter how I vote or any other preferences that I may have. What matters is how I feel. And, and as a host, you have to be authentic. And man, I hate using that word. I think it is so overused. And I'm not, I'm not sure giving an air talent that kind of direction. I don't even know if they know what that means. I think a better way to say it is you be you. Okay? Because that's what's going to make your show and the way you handle it different from those other hosts and the way they handle it. And if you have the opportunity to infuse whatever beliefs you have into everything that you do, if you're, if you're not an equal opportunity offender, if you're not pointing out the ridiculous that's everywhere, then really what, what happens is you start doing a show for people that think like you do. 
And yes, I want to know personal stuff about what's going on in the lives of the entertainers I like. You know, the things they want to share. It makes them human. I can better relate to them. It's a smart thing to do. But after watching this last episode of The History of Late Night, well, first of all, not only was I not aware of how many networks and how many platforms are doing talk shows, but, you know, it's like getting, it's like podcasts. They're just, they're, they're too many choices. Anyway, I, I just felt that most of those choices were people who were doing the show that they would like to watch. And I think that's good for the entertainment part of the equation because you want to be creative and you want to have fun and you want to do a show that that you think that you would like if you were listening or you were watching. But I, th- I think when the host breaks the rules, you know, and starts getting edgy, I think they walk right up to the line of being preachy. And as talented as you are, you know, while your name may be on it, the show is always about the audience. And there is a way to engage a bigger share of the pie rather than trying to cut a really small slice so you can claim it as yours. Okay, I, I can tell you that after seeing all of the options that are out there, most of them turned me off. And it was because I got the feeling that they felt like they're smarter than I am. Their sense of right and wrong should be everyone's. And how does that work when the family is sitting around the old picnic table? Ooh, makes me tense. <laughs> you know, I learned a long time ago that the audience is much smarter than I am. So I'm asking, what do you think? Leave a comment. And let's get the conversation started. How much is too much? Have you ever stopped watching or listening to a host because you felt like their show was more for them than it was for you? This has been the Mike on Mike Wavecast. Thanks for listening.